As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome in, everybody. Another Racing Presidents podcast here on NBC Sports Washington. We're a three-man booth today as Todd Dibus is uh, he's getting ready for the start of the season. So we let him take this one off. We've got Ryan Wormley in the house. Tim Shovers, myself, Tim Murray, and uh, I don't know if any of us will exchange jerseys after this, but hopefully we will not uh, talk about, as like people like to say, fake news. Fake news. I mean, you started right off the top. I know we're a baseball podcast, but as a longtime sports radio guy, Francesca thinking that Todd Gurley's Instagram post after the NFC Championship game is in the Sports Radio Hall of Fame. You should never have another jersey, whether you exchange them with players before the game, which should be an outrageous thing to begin with. No way should an official be changing, exchanging jerseys with a player before a game. And it's just it's just one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I mean, how if you haven't not, seen it, go, go How is there it not out. a producer, at least, immediately in his ear? What is going on? Yeah, that's that was my first take as a long time. Producer was like, "That's on you. That's you got to correct it. You got to correct it immediately, right? Right, Murray. I mean, yeah. you've, you've been on the mic. You've been behind the board. I've been but, everywhere. So you, you know, a- any publicity is good publicity, I guess. Uh, well, we're at, I think it. at his point of his his career, it just doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. Correct. He, he just does what everyone. He's the king. He's the pope. He's, it's like Manny being Manny, but for radio. It is. And what's the name of the uh, the the Twitter feed that? Funhouse. Funhouse just tweets yes. out everything, and it, it feels like he fully embraces that. So we, we've got that out of the way. If you or I did it, then maybe we, we should turn in our key card. Yeah. But for Francesca, you can get away. When you're at his point of his career and as uh, successful as he has been, uh, yeah, I guess you can do whatever you want. But, uh, yeah, we will uh, try to avoid things like that. Um, it's January 22nd. I always like to read the date and time into when we're recording just because – in the, in the nature of hot stove, even though this has been a lukewarm stove uh, offseason, you just never know. Never know. So when people turn this on, they're like, well, how did you not know this? Well, we don't we don't know. Uh, so it is January 22nd as we record this. It is freezing cold outside. And Bird. the thought of pitchers and catchers right now, it really warms the soul. I always think about, you know, come May, June. People kind of let baseball kind of go to the side. But I'm like, why are people always so excited? This is why we're always so <laughs> excited for spring training, because it is so cold. And just seeing anyone running around in palm trees is like, oh, that looks nice. Have you guys ever been to spring training games? I have not. Have you I've ever? been to one or two. Okay, so what they do, for those of you who haven't gone, let's say you're at a Chicago Cubs spring training game in Arizona. They'll say, 
Today's temperature in Chicago is 12 degrees. Today's temperature in Mesa, Arizona is 78 degrees. And now all the Cubs fans there cheer. Yeah. And like, it is the best part of the game by far. <laughs> I went to, I went to one. It was actually, believe it or not, a Nats game. It was, oof, I was in high school. So the Nats were bad. Uh, <laughs> it was Space Coast Stadium, Brevard uh, County. And yeah, it's just one of those games where I've always wanted to. I've never been to actual spring training. The first two weeks where they're just working out, I think that would be great. Yeah. I think that would be great in theory. I think you get bored pretty quickly. But but spring training games usually are pretty boring well, because they, by the third inning, you don't know who anybody is. They are. I went to spring training last year. It was the first time I had been since so I was a kid. I used to go every year with my, with my dad, and I love the autographs. I still enjoy them with him. But yeah, I mean, once the fifth inning comes, you got a lot of guys wearing sixty and seventy and no 80 names on the back uniform. of their jerseys, and it, and the games. It's not like they're they're two hour games. Like they can be just as long, if not longer. They can be three and a half, four hours. And the final few innings can be a little tough. It's almost more fun to watch those on TV because you always get the fun little skits they do on the broadcast. They'll mic up Mookie Betts, and they did this in the All Star Game too. But they do that a lot in spring training also, and that can be fun. I love what they did in the All-Star game. And it was Mookie Betts, right? He was doing an interview. It was yeah. like, oh, boy, I, boys, I got to go get this oh, yeah. one. Yeah. Ball came yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. I mean, I know you can't do that in the regular season, but sure. things like that. And now, I, I don't go as far as some people. I like to try to keep things rather in the middle. I'm not a conspiracy theorist on NFL calls like this past weekend. I don't get into boy. that. You know, uh, it, it wasn't the greatest day in the history of the NFL. It was a very entertaining day. Mm -hmm. So... When it comes to those interviews, people are like, well, this would revolutionize the game and, and the ratings would be through the roof. I'm like, no, no, they'd probably be the same, but it's it's cool. It, it's, you know, would you like to see, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of someone with it. Max Scherzer, Max, or uh, him mic'd up on the hill. That would mic'd up Max. That would be cool, but like I'm either watching. As you right. say, I'm either watching Scherzer pitch against the Mets or I'm not. Yeah, is a seven <laughs> is a 17 year old kid gonna watch a baseball game because the right fielder's mic'd up for an inning. You, you need to showcase your personality in a bunch of different ways, not just that one. You need to have. Uh, be able to share highlights on Twitter. You need to be able to interact with players more regularly. Just having the one, oh, he was interviewed for three outs in the fifth inning of a game in June, that, that's not going to make a yeah, difference. Yeah, Ryan touched on something really important, and that's MLB's got to get rid of their Twitter embargo oh, or how difficult they are. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, NBA has shown you how important it is to let it be the wild, wild west. And the NFL, too. In baseball, it's like you have nightly, if we're going to use the corporate buzzword of content, mm -hmm. you have nightly and daily mm -hmm. content, and you have some amazing plays, both offensively and mainly defensively up the middle and in center field, and you just are going out of your way to not share that with the general public. Yeah, it'll be interesting, especially when it comes to gambling, and I want to get into something here in just a little bit with uh, with the the prospect of gambling being legal in more states as we as we keep going down this road, but... You know, you, you look at Twitter feeds like Action Network and all these things that are putting out the bad beats every single night. You know, come summertime, are they just going to take all those highlights off? That That's a loss for Major League Baseball. Those those types of small little beats, even though it it, it gives it gives the NBA and college basketball and these, you know, kind of smaller pieces of the pie a little bit more exposure and MLBs, it does feel like they're missing the boat on some of it. Gambling is getting more mainstream. Your current <laughs> job, job is yes. a four hour radio show about gambling shows that. So anything to be in the mainstream for baseball 
is a positive. You know, follow the lead of the more progressive sports. I mean, this is the same league that instead of saying, hey, we have maybe the best player ever, certainly on track to be in Mike Trout. And instead of we're going to market him better and do our jobs better as an organization, oh, he needs to have a bit more personality. That's why he's not a big name. No, this is they do not put their best foot forward in any sort of fan engagement marketing. It's so frustrating as we are younger fans relative to the average baseball fan, but there's not a lot of guys younger than us. And let me just say this disclaimer. We're not, if you're listening, you're wondering why this baseball podcast is going all over baseball. <laughs> it's because we want it to, we love it and we want it to get better. We want everyone to love it. <laughs> yeah, we we want to share it with, we, with the next generation. We have a lot of friends that don't love it. We want them to get involved. So that's why it's because we love and care, uh, not because we hate on the sport. Yeah, and, and I'm a bit of a an old school, I'm not... I, I'm I'm open to some changes to the game, but I, I don't want to change the entire game. Baseball's still baseball. It still should be nine innings. It still should be three outs. Like I, I'm not trying to change that, but these are things that aren't changing the actual game. It's just trying to enhance it and get more eyeballs on it and embrace where we are uh, with social media and all of that. And, you know, with gambling moving forward, I really think gambling can be so beneficial to the game of baseball. When it becomes legal and when Major League Baseball, and now not, they're not the only one, no one's embracing it right now because it's only legal in eight or nine states, but when this becomes legal everywhere, in-game betting is going to be so popular in baseball, they should, they should dive both feet in, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use, because I feel like gambling, you know, as cool as interviewing a player mid-game is, and it's fun to see, that's not going to drive... The like casual a- fan there, allowing you to gamble mid game, mid you know mid at bat is the next pitch going to be a strike or a ball. Mm-hmm. You could gamble on that with some some sort of app. Baseball, when it becomes fully legal or more legal in in more states, they really need to embrace it. And baseball is similar to football in that there are such clear breaks in the action for you mm-hmm. to say, okay, well instead of watching the crowd shots or listening to the announcers talk about the story. I'm going to pull up my phone and make a quick bet. It's something like basketball. It's so back and forth. Obviously, they'll find a way to have in-game betting for all the major sports. But basketball and hockey, it's harder because it's so constant, all this motion. Football and baseball are, hey, here's an opportunity for me to check out what what the next bet is and see what I can throw money on. 2019 is the 100-year anniversary of the Black Sox scandal, where the White Sox threw the World Series. Yep. I don't mean that as a reminder about how to avoid gambling. I mean that as times have changed. Things are different. Players are not making $8,000 a year or whatever it was, and they're not working at liquor stores in the offseason, and they're not showing up to spring training out of weight because they were working at said liquor store in December and January. Let's let's evolve with the times. As you said, Murray, sports gambling's here. We have apps on our phones. Yep. I feel like, you know, Dr. Evil, like we have laser beams attached <laughs> to their freaking head. And that is to have sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their heads. This technology exists. You have thousands of people who are going to be obsessed with gambling during football and basketball season that now have June, July, and August to get ready for when football comes back around Labor Day. Let's take advantage of those three months. Yeah, and, and, and it's something where it would be, look, I like going to baseball. I think most people like going to baseball games. Watching it on TV, it's kind of an acquired taste. I love it. You guys love it. Mm-hmm. Most of our listeners love it. That's why they're listening to a baseball podcast. But, you know, you go down to Nats Park 
And, you know, you, you see a pretty casual person out there, want to hang out with their, their buddies, drink some beer. And if you can bring in, not a, not your crazy, like, over-under uh, type of bets that, you know, only a person with a, a computer would know, is the next pitch going to be a strike or a ball? Is there going to be a home run this inning? You know, will the Nats score more than four runs this game? Things like that, easy stuff, I really think could be beneficial to the popularity of the sport, especially if they are the first one to fully embrace it. Because there are times where, I mean, not only in sports, but, you know, things that you begrudgingly take it in. Okay, yeah, we'll do it. If they're the first ones on board, if Rob Manfred's like, gambling is here, it could be beneficial. You know, we obviously have to worry about the possibilities of, you know, players, you know, making sure they're separated from it, all that because of Black Sox and Pete Rose. But this could be extremely beneficial to the to baseball. And I could also see something happening where sort of like at, I'm just picking a random team, random stadium, like the Reds. It becomes like if you sit in section 212 in left field, that's like sort of becomes the hot gambling section mm-hmm. where like if you're, you know, like I could see like certain parts of the park, like smoking sections. It <laughs> yeah, used to be exactly like something where it's <laughs> like, you know, Wrigley's always had those bleacher bums. Like I could mm-hmm. see certain stadiums, certain segments, the betting bums, having the betting bums. Right. I could see that developing. And that brings people into the park and that brings people into baseball fandom. And I only see that as a positive. Well, what's interesting is baseball has embraced a pseudo form of gambling before in fantasy baseball, which was one of the original fantasy sports. I mean, no, it was the original and and fantasy football has obviously overtaken it. So people don't think of it that way. But fantasy baseball was where this all started. Rotisserie baseball. Yes, I I love roto leagues. I play in them and, and people put money on that. It's not the exact same as gambling, but. It's an interesting uh, almost gateway into it that baseball already has people playing. And and I don't know if it still is maybe the second biggest. I actually haven't looked. At, I don't know if fantasy basketball or hockey is overtaking it. But I see a lot more about fantasy baseball than any other sport besides football. I couldn't say. But offhand, I would guess fantasy baseball is bigger than fantasy basketball. I would guess. Just it. because. I would think so. Because fantasy baseball, like, is more separate calendar-wise from fantasy football. Mm-hmm. So if you're a big fantasy football player – you would be missing out on the first few months of fantasy basketball. Yeah. That, that's my guess. That's true. So every single podcast, we obviously have to bring up Bryce Harper. And uh, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts because I, I think some national fans, this might have drove them crazy. I'll start with his most recent interaction on social media, and we'll get to what he did uh, late last week. But I thought this was kind of funny. So, you know, during the Patriots-Chiefs game, Tony Romo was – basically a Nostradamus and was predicting all these games, uh, predicting all these plays to happen. So Bryce Harper tweets out, confirmed, just called Tony Romo to see where I'm going to play next year. Hashtag, you're a wizard, Tony. Do you, what are your feelings on Harper and, and him now openly just having fun with, his his unknown destination. I thought it was funny. I thought that was kind of. Fun. I thought it was I funny, it. and that was like that was end of feelings. I, I saw people on Twitter saying, "Oh, he's he's trolling Nats fans. This is unbecoming, or whatever." No, if if you are going to drag it out this long and turn the hot stove season into a cold stove season, then at the very least, make jokes about it, have fun. I thought it was hilarious, and I like that Tony Romo responded. And he said the, the Texas Rangers. <laughs> he said that? Yeah. Right. I missed that part. So, that, that's the mystery yeah. team. So the other one was, obviously, we know that Bryce Harper is on the cover of MLB The Show. And as of right now, he is without a uniform on the cover of MLB The Show. And that Twitter handle, at MLB The Show, tweeted out, who is the NL Central 
who in the NL Central has the best food? And and then they said, uh, whatever Bryce Harper is craving, step up to the plate and MLB the show. And then they did the same thing for the NL West. Follow Bryce Harper's journey. And Harper did a little emoji over all of all these ones with kind of, you know, with the NL Central one was the emoji of a chef. And then the NL West one when it was, you know, desert, mountain, sun. He did emojis of golfing and skiing. And then he did, you know, the I don't know one when it did the AL Central. And then it said which team in the NL East would go the furthest with Bryce. And then he gave the old like finger on the chin. Do these bug you? Do they? No. Is he having fun with it? It's it's funny to see reactions of people because people get upset about everything. Yeah. And 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 now you know, I I don't know I I don't I don't have the big of deal about it. I mean he's just having some fun on social media. What's what's the big deal? If I I didn't see those tweets and if I had seen it I would have like moved on to the next tweet and given zero seconds of thought. So I personally am not bothered by these. I get this one more than I get the Romo thing because the Romo thing was very organic. It felt like he was just thought it would be funny and it was. This one is clearly very thought out. It's I, I don't know if it's every tweet has a brand in it, but it's like branded content. It's He's clearly partnered up with the show and, and it's uh, very calculated. And so I get why that would bother people a bit more. Um, again, I'm fine with it. I understand why the show would want to do this and use this to promote both the game and to get people to pay attention to Harper's free agency. So I, I totally understand it, but I, I get why fans would be a bit more upset with this one because this one seems more intentional. So I'm just looking at the NL East one, and it says Marlins 12 games better in 2019 with Harper. And it says Atlanta Braves. This is interesting. Harper sets career high for RBI. He has 106. But then it says failed to make postseason for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, it says Phillies reached the NLDS behind MVP Harper. Harper belts career best 44 home runs with the Mets, and uh, they go 99 and 63. And then the Nats break through to the NLCS, and they win 105 games with Bryce Harper. Wow. <laughs> so they're saying the Nats are the best team in the division. I guess so. That's yeah. <laughs> really. Um, that's funny about the Atlanta Braves, though. <laughs> also, you mentioned the food, Murray, with like which in the NL Central. Like, it's not like it's Chicago, Wisconsin There's- cheese, Chicago pizza, St. Louis ribs. I've never had St. Louis ribs. I can't say, I can't but like, if we're speaking of what city is the best food city, like, there's not really a competition for that division. I don't think Cincinnati's overtaking Chicago. I do love some Cincinnati chili. I I will say, having been to, I did a baseball stadium road trip in 2013, and we did Milwaukee, and we we did a Brewers game and a Cubs game, and I enjoyed my time in Milwaukee a bit more. Now, that might have been because of the libations that came along with it, the food, but um, I'm not a big Chicago deep dish pizza guy, so that uh, doesn't really help the Chicago case for me. Fair, but if like the great sausages, Mm -hmm. um, great hot dogs... And just if you're looking for very unhealthy food, the best big city in the country that serves it is Chicago. That's fair. Old style beer too. I had a yes. bunch of old styles do, when yeah. I was uh, when I was at the Cubs game. All right, um, January twenty second. Just have to read that in once again. Um, <laughs> any changes? You're still sticking with the Phillies, Tim. That's See, been your, no reason to change. That's been your start from the get go. You've been Phillies. You've been sticking with it. Um, I've changed multiple times. I started with the Dodgers. Then I think I went Nats. Yeah, and then I might have went Phillies. I don't. I don't. You've even, been all over them. I don't know where I am right now. I'm just flip flopping left yeah. and right. I'll, I'll say right now, I thought it was going to be the Phillies, and it, it just it 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 really feels like 
it, it feels a little bit like it, and you follow it probably more than and Ryan does, college recruiting when, you know, a, a guy makes his official visit and they're like, well, that's now the favorite. Yeah. And now we're waiting till signing day. We're like, we, I feel like at this point, we don't know what the hell he's thinking. It's it's now reached the point. It's so long. And by the way, like just for reference sake, Max Scherzer signed during NFC and AFC conference championship games. That's right. So it was a Sunday night. So like that. put in perspective of like now that we're past that threshold, mm-hmm. how long this is for someone as high profile as Harper Machado. We're really in unknown territory. So now whatever tea leaves are coming out, like I don't know how to read it because we've never really seen this pattern before. It's it's especially nuts that it's two of them. I know obviously our focus is going to be Harper, but the fact that it's two of, if you look at their age and what they've done and and what their futures look like, maybe the two of the 10 best free agents ever. I mean, certainly you can have that conversation. To have them both take this long is really, and you would imagine that once one signs, the other will be quickly right behind. It's just crazy that it's not like it's one fluke guy. It's, it's both of them. It's so, and and we talked about the, the Jim Bowden article, uh, I think it was last week on the pod, and it, it is kind of crazy because you think about baseball and all this money and all these extended contracts. I mean, you've got two 26-year-old players at the peak of their careers, and they can't get a 10-year contract. And I, I understand that if you look at you know all of the, the statistics for players who get these massive deals, it doesn't generally work out for those teams. But I, I'm still – I'm really surprised that we're not – the reason they have not signed is because they haven't gotten the contract that they want. It's not because they're playing different teams off each other, which I'm sure there's a little bit of that. Of but, you know, when I initially heard about the Chicago White Sox offer, my initial reaction was like, wow, that's a pretty good offer. And then I thought of it, I'm like, wait, no, that's a terrible offer. If you're the Chicago White Sox and you want Manny Machado and you offered seven for 175, that's that's nothing. That, that number has to start with a two or a three. Right? Start you're with the one. White Sox. <laughs> This isn't the Chicago Cubs. It's the Whites. If you want to make a splash, Texas Rangers style, 10 for 252, 7 for 175, you should be embarrassed if you're a White Sox fan. When I saw that, I was like, that in the context of Manny Machado, not as it relates to any other people in the world, I thought that was a joke. Mm -hmm. And it made me think that maybe the learner's initial offer to Harper of 10 for 300 is the best that he's going to get. Well, it's interesting Tim, you mentioned, to Murray, you mentioned uh, the uh, contracts in the past that haven't worked out well. A lot of those guys are in the mold of an aging first baseman. Mm -hmm. Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, Chris Davis. These contracts don't look good right now. Those are all first basemen that were around the age of 30 when they signed their big deal. These are, this is a shortstop slash third baseman and an outfielder who are 26. The first half of a 10-year contract is going to get them to the point where these other guys signed those deals. So I I don't even see that as a comparison. Yeah, it's pretty astonishing that we're here. And yeah, I mean, I think initially when I heard 10 for 300 by the Nats, I'm like, that's a low ball offer. And uh, it doesn't look like it is. I mean, and who knows what happens? I mean, and this is something we've talked about at nauseum. Um, you know, Mark Lerner seemed a little bit maybe too upfront when he did his interview on 1067 The Fan. Um, but, you know, that's part of this whole game, you know, and and I, I'm very fascinated to see where the ultimate landing spot is. I said all along, if he goes to Los Angeles, Bryce Harper and I were talking about, if he ends up with the Dodgers, I actually wouldn't be that upset. It, w- it would make sense to me. It, you know, if he ends up making more money with the Dodgers than he would have with the Nationals and that offer – it makes sense. You know, you go out to L.A., you be a star, you're four hours from your parents, um, you know, by by car. Um, 
If he goes to Philly, I'd be pretty upset. Philly is the worst of all options for <sighs> Nats fans. So this kind of brings like a subtext question of who is the biggest Nats rival? Because I think you could have a debate between you take the Marlins out, every other team within the division. Atlanta was the team that was good the first year the Nats were good. And the Mets were competing with the Nats when they were, you know, fighting for division titles and the Nat and the Mets went to the World Series at the really at the expense of the Nats. And the Nats and Phillies haven't overlapped being good, right? Like the Ryan Howard, the last good Ryan Howard team was 2011, and then the Nats got good mm-hmm. in 2012. But I think if all being equal, who the Nats fans would hate the most are the Phillies, and it certainly would be that if Harper goes to Philadelphia. Well, the Phillies are the closest in proximity. Um, they are also, when you go to a Nats game and one of these division rivals is in town, the Phillies are the fans that fill up the park the most. Um, which makes sense because they're the closest in proximity. Um, I also think they have, it's kind of weird to talk about a ceiling because this isn't like a college program. Any any team can be good if they choose to spend or or draft well. But I would say the Phillies feel like they just have a higher, I mean, they've won a World Series in the last decade, or I guess technically not, now it's been 11 years, but really good. Both the Phillies and the Braves have a lot of young talent, so they look like they'll be good for the the near future. Um, Honestly, as a, as a Nats fan, I can get why it would be upsetting to see him go to the Phillies for all the reasons we just said. But it also is a pretty clear fit in terms of how their roster is built, where they are in their competitive window, things like that. So, I, and they also are very willing to to spend. John Middleton, their owner, is like desperate to spend on a winner, which is why I said that both Manny and Bryce were going to go there, and that was a bold prediction. And, That's what I thought. And I, 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 I have no reason to back. I'm sort of like the guy who makes a Super Bowl prediction, and his teams at least make the playoffs. I, I'm going to stick with it until those teams are out of the running for those guys. So, so I'm I'm going to say that still, and I totally get why Bryce would do that, but it, it is sort of a slap in the face. Yeah, and also just kind of boils down to this because the Mets aren't involved. So let's take the the Mets out of it. If it's Philly or the Braves <laughs> in terms of which team would bother fans the most Nats fans the most Phillies fans are just more abrasive than Braves fans yeah I like think, I, I'm yeah. a Braves fan I could say it I we all have Philly <laughs> friends who are Phillies fans and they're all super annoying when the Phillies are good and I I think that we as Braves fans are not as annoying there's also the built-in Redskins Eagles DC Phillies yeah, already a rivalry yeah. yeah I think I mean if he went to Philadelphia uh, at, yeah if Atlanta was in it, it it would be it would be more painful if he went to Philadelphia yeah, it's just it's, it's two hours up north, and it's just you got those fans who, and when I call them abrasive, like they brag about being abrasive. Yeah, I they, think they, they, they embrace it. I'm not mocking them; they take that as a compliment. So uh, it would be, it would certainly be the loudest we've heard Phillies fans since the 2011 team when they were because yes. like, they haven't been really been good since then, other than the first five months last year. But they're they are now ready to be good again. I mean, they have great young pitching. They are the team that most of all the, the ones in the Bryce Harper Seek Sticks, and maybe of all the teams in baseball, they are the team that looks the most like they are one or two pieces away because they have such clear holes. They're, I've said this before, uh, they had the worst war uh, by position at shortstop of any team in baseball and the worst war in right field. That's why I've said Machado and Harper, because they so clearly fill those holes that need to be filled. Reminder, though, the main reason why I think the Phillies fell off track last year wasn't because of shortstop or right field. It's because their bullpen was atrocious. That's fair. And they can spend a billion dollars on Harper and Machado all they want. If they don't have a bullpen, they're not playing in October. Well, they got David Robertson. That's true. Get, That's, get excited. Get excited. Fans. All right, so a couple things to, to wrap up this pod. Uh, Ryan, you had some uh, rule change proposals. So let's let's hear these. We have not. So I like the, I like the element of surprise, and, and Tim, you agree too. 
so we do not know what you're about to throw at us. So uh, have at it. So let me just preface this by saying these are radical and I do not expect them to happen. <laughs> this is more theoretical, what I think would make for a more fun or better version of the game. Um, I do not think that this is likely to happen at any point. So this isn't going to be, oh, they should move the mound visits down from six to five, or they should add five seconds to the pitch clock. Nothing like that. Um, the first one is actually one that I have gone back and forth on. A lot. I, I got three of them. The first one is one I've gone back and forth on a lot with my friends. And as of right now, I actually don't think I would support this, but I'm just curious to get your opinion. There's been a lot of talk about banning the shift. So my initial proposal was not to ban it outright, but to eliminate the full shift. When I was a scout, we used to have the full Ted Williams, which is when there's three infielders on one side of the base. Um, and then a partial is when they move over, but they don't cross over. So basically banning the full Ted and saying two infielders have to stay on each side of the base. So set the scene for us. Harper's up the bat, left-hander up. What are you banning? I'm banning the shortstop going or the third baseman going to the right side of second base and having three guys on the same side of the Got base. It. Basically, that is the point of delineation, and you have to have two on either side. Beyond that, they can go wherever they want. Okay. Uh, I like shifts. Uh, I think I'm in the minority on this one. I So I like low-scoring baseball, and I'm all for as many pitcher duels as possible. And I also think it's cool, like aesthetically. Like, I like going to a game and seeing a radical shift out of nowhere, especially for some some left-handed hitters. I like seeing, you know, second baseman playing in left field and third baseman playing at the second base position and one guy kind of on an island by himself. So I'm against anything that takes shifts out, but that is a realistic change that could happen because so many people... That's the most realistic of my three. Um, You know, I I have no issue with shifts. I I know that it's sometimes hard to see a, a Bryce Harper or a Chris Davis or someone just smoke a ball, but because of the shift, there's a fielder. If that is something that you've scouted out and you've put in the time to say, well, this is where he usually hits. Isn't that just advanced scouting? Why are we, why would we be taking away? You wouldn't, you wouldn't hamper a defensive coordinator, be like, well, see, we're going to bracket that wide receiver. Well, you can't bracket wide receivers. And we're like, well, why? That's an advanced scout. And, you know, think well, about- actually, I would have a pushback, though, if you're going to go with the football analogy route. The pushback to that is they're not that, putting extra players on the field. You're they're right just moving them in everything you're saying. But their NFL are constantly making rules where it's harder and harder to be a defensive back and to defend guys. Sure. And it, they're making it harder to touch the quarterback. And I would say the NFL, for instance, is making rules to encourage more offense. So I think MLB banning shifts would be sort of like the NFL protecting quarterbacks well but if but if a defense wanted to put seven d linemen on the field they could do that it would not be a smart decision Correct. because in all likelihood the quarterback would get the ball quick enough but it where to, my analogy goes has many flaws no of course, <laughs> it's no. like i got that. but to yeah. me I, I think it's a it's on the hitter to work i mean you always hear about hitters going the opposite way on pitches i mean when you get an outside pitch and you pull it that's that's a that's terrible baseball Yes, it is. And and that's actually sort of where I'm coming from. It's not about uh, improving offense around baseball and, and getting more runs or anything like that. It's about the fact that the shift just about 100% of the time, maybe like 99.9% of the time, impacts pull hitters. Right. You don't see guys getting shifted to that go opposite field. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with pulling the ball if you have a good pitch to pull the ball. Sure. Obviously, outside corner and you, you roll over on one, that's, that's not a good look. But I don't, the, the thing that, 
made me try to come up with this rule in the first place is I don't like when a guy gets an inside pitch and turns on it. That should be that. That's a good thing. That's good hitting. Right. And this particular defensive alignment only hurts those types of hitters, which which is understandable. And, and obviously that pitcher in all likelihood is going to work him inside. Now, mm-hmm. it's not foolproof and he could make a mistake and, you know, ball could get lifted and go out into the outfield. But I, I, I for the most part, am am I'm totally fine with shifts. And even when it, it's a disadvantage to my favorite team, um, I just think it's advanced scouting and it's upon the hitter now and the hitting coaches to work to beat those shifts. And it's like, you know, football comes in, the read option and RG3, they're they're beating beating the system and then defensive Fair coordinators make it, it adapt. So, you know, the shifts have been here for a while. It, it's on the hitters and the hitting coaches to adapt to that. Just to show how far we've kind of gone with this in the past decade where – so Freddie Freeman made his major league debut against the Mets. And the Mets had a guy standing right at second base, like right up the middle. First career at bat. And sure enough, he had a hard grounder right to the guy, got him out, and they had perfectly scouted him. And it was his first career major league mm-hmm. at bat. And I was like, whoa, advanced scouting has taken a yep. huge step if if major league teams are using minor league scouting reports day one against not to get too into the weeds of what i did as a scout but that is literally we would watch minor league games and point out on the field where the infielders set up and where the ball landed for every single hitter for for the minors and and the major league teams are using those stats and they see it all uh baseball info solutions oh cool. well they're now sports info solutions they do football now too but um that that one like i said i I go back and forth the most on it is probably the most realistic of potentially happening but it's not the one i I feel most confident in so i'm I'm gonna move on to my second one this one uh i actually don't know why it's not already at least closer to happening um i think that you should allow the official scorer to determine if a pitcher is deserving of the win or not because we all know that the win is kind of not really relevant because you see all these examples of J- Jacob deGrom last year having a really poor record compared to his ERA. You see a guy will go eight innings and give up uh, one run, and then the closer will give up a run, and then they'll score in the bottom of the ninth. Closer gets the win despite going one inning, giving up one run. Starter went eight innings, giving up one run. I'm all good. Examples like that. I don't see why they don't do that. We already allow the official scores to make determinations on error versus hit, so it's not like there's no subjectivity in there anyways. Also on nights where the starting pitcher doesn't go five innings, but his team gets the win, yes. doesn't he choose? And he, he or she choose? He does. Yeah. And so we already allow that to happen, and I don't get why we wouldn't say, and, and nine times out of ten, it's going to be obvious who the guy is that's supposed to get it. It's not going to be controversial, but those times where we do say, well, that – that he shouldn't have gotten that loss or he shouldn't have gotten that win. We should allow the official scorer to say he gets one or he doesn't. I, I'm all in on that one. Yeah, I have no problem with that. And it's also kind of funny, too, when you see a, a – not that anyone cares about holds nowadays, but a, a closer will come in, blow a save, but he gets a hold or something like yeah. that. I'm like, what? Hold is a, is a stat that I honestly just completely ignore. Oh, like, I think most I people do. I, I don't care about it. So I like – one. Of, so during baseball season, like my favorite part of baseball season – are the 10, 15 minutes in the morning where I scour through the updated statistics. Uh-huh. You guys probably have similar, yeah. all baseball fans do. I love seeing the updated win-loss records, right? And so it's gotten frustrating over the years as starting pitchers go shorter and shorter. Like, it comes late August and only one guy has 15 wins or so. And I'm like, this isn't as fun as it used to be for yeah. me. I'm all for more chances for DeGrom and Kershaw and Scherzer to have added win totals. Yes. I, I and, and you 
I'm less uh, in on taking away losses. I think that's still an option on the other side of this. If DeGrom goes eight innings and gives up one run, does he really deserve a loss? That gets into No, I want, I, if you lose, you, you lose. I, yeah. I want standard that, that, loss. That one I'm not as in on, but the wins, I, I, let's make the win matter again. Yeah, and it'll be a fun post-game debate. <laughs> like, if, yes. if the score does it wrong, that's just a fun thing. Like, if we watch a Nats game mm-hmm. and they give it to Sanchez, but they should have given it to someone out of the bullpen... Like, that could be a fun thing for Nets fans to complain about at 11 o'clock at night. Like, I, it, that's a harmless debate amongst baseball fans. By the way, being an official scorer, uh, maybe we can get into these, these uh, types of stories later. Uh, it is the worst job ever in the history of the world. It's awful. I, I'm not even – I was never an official scorer, yeah. but as a broadcaster in the minors, you have to bring the, the, yeah. the box score down to the managers, and I have been reamed countless times thinking that I was the official scorer on some meaningless ground ball. Because they ruled it a hit and should have, been, should have ruled it an air, should have been a hit kind of thing? Yes. And yeah. whether your 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 pitcher gets multi yeah, it's it's awful. It's yeah. absolutely awful. It doesn't, doesn't seem great. Have you guys sat by the official score at Nats Park ever? Mm-hmm. Like it's really cool to watch that watch them work and see they have, like they fast forward and rewatch a play mm-hmm. and like I, I it, that was one of my favorite things when I first started covering major league baseball and being in the in the press box is watching the official yeah. score go to work. All right, well, I'm glad that you guys agree with me on that one. Please tell Gary Carter, producer of DC Sports Live, because <laughs> he has been on my case about how terrible that idea is for months now. Okay. So I'm really happy that you Not guys are on my side. Yeah. The last one, and this is the one that is definitely never going to happen for even non-baseball reasons, but that it's the one I most think would be awesome, is you always hear these debates about, well, the, the National League has the pitcher's hit, the American League has the designated hitter. I say get rid of both. Have eight people hit in a lineup. No pitcher hitting and no designated hitter. Just all the non-pitchers are the lineup. Mm. A, it gets you through the lineup quicker, which means that you go through the bullpen faster, you go through starting pitchers faster, you can't um, have all these guys throwing 90 coming out because they're only going in one inning. Also, you get your best hitters hitting more often because they're going through the lineup more often. And you don't have to watch a pitcher hit, which even the best pitchers hitting would still be the worst hitters in everyday Major League Baseball. And you don't have the DH who's really only half a player and that a lot of baseball purists say is not great. So this is the one that I most think would be awesome. If we were building baseball from scratch, we wouldn't think, oh, this specialized pitcher has to also hit. And we wouldn't say, well, let's make it even the number of people in the field, the number of hitters. I think this would be what would make sense from the beginning. And it's the one I'm most confident in. I don't I don't hate it, but I don't agree with it. So. I like the National League rules. I love watching pitchers hit. I like watching a bad pitcher try and hit. I like seeing a bad pitcher somehow get on base. I like seeing a good uh, hitting pitcher. I love watching Max Scherzer hit and run the bases and do it like a like a full-on athlete. I like seeing relief pitchers have to hit and be totally discomfort, uh, uncomfortable up there. I like seeing when an AL pitcher comes in and hasn't hit all year. I don't like designated hitters. It makes me not watch as much American League baseball as I should. So I'm kind of in between, but I just kind of like the theory of there's nine guys in the field, and then those nine guys put away their gloves, and then they pick up a bat. So I, I kind of want to stay with the National League status quo on that one. But is it worth – I mean, it's funny to see pitchers hit a lot of the time, but is it worth the hundreds and hundreds of just, okay, four pitches and he struck out? He, he maybe took a ball, and that's an impression. I enjoy that, that wrinkle in a baseball game of when the pitcher comes Don't up we want it. the best players at what they do perform? Why, why would we not want – the actual hitters to hit more. I'm cool. I I'm not, I, I got to think about this one a little mm-hmm. bit, but I like seeing pitchers hit. So that kind of. Do you know what's funny? 
I don't, I, I've gotten to the point where I, I agree with Ryan and I, I think, I don't know how to phrase this because I don't like the designated hitter and I don't really like the pitcher hitting. So I'm leaning towards yours. But mm-hmm. you know what I really like? The strategy of using a pinch hitter, a strategy of the double switch. Thank you. Those are things that I like. So I don't, to, to go against you, I don't like that a pitcher comes up and you could, and basically you just, you're, you're struggling. You're like, forget it. I'm just going to intentionally walk the eight hitter and now I get to face the pitcher to get myself out of a jam. See, I like that. Story. I don't like that necessarily. But what I do like about baseball is late games strategery strategery strategy where you're thinking about double switches you're looking at the lineup set so that's what i love about baseball and in an american league game you, you rarely ever get that there are a couple managers that that go after it so i don't know uh, i i like what you're saying because i don't like the designated hitter um it's weird that there's two different leagues. I was I was going to say, rules. do you guys? It's it's very bizarre. Yes, I love that stadiums have different dimensions, and therefore yes. each home field has its own little advantages mm-hmm. and quirks, and and you could say rules. But at, as far as actual official how the game is played, rules, the fact that the two leagues are different is just baffling. I can't believe it's gone on this long. It's outlived its usefulness because when it started, which I think were seventies, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know the exact year, but it was. In I the think 70s. it was early seventies. Somewhere around there, like the leagues were separate. There were separate league offices. Umpires were either AL or NL. Like there was a, the World Series was flat out determined who hosted game one. It just rotated year by year. Like the AL and NL had to, were completely separate entities. And now the only separation they have is they have separate MVP and Cy Young awards. So the fact that they have different rules. And when they're playing each other in September now, they're not just playing in June. There's, like with, there's literally an interleague series every, every single day. Every single day. Yeah, Opening day, there will be interleague yeah, series. Yeah, we're, we're past the point of that making sense. I agree with you. But I want the NL side. And I think if they had to rule on it, the AL side would win. So therefore, if baseball was going to vote on this, I, I think it's pretty obvious that the designated hitter would be your It would win oh, the yeah. landslide. 100%. Yes. It, would yeah. be, it would be a blowout. So I don't know. I. I know, you know, in, in radio, in the podcast world, it's never good to be indifferent because you have to have a hot take one <laughs> yeah. way or the other. I, I kind of don't like either. So uh, I'll just keep it the way that it is because I, okay. I love the strategy. I just, that Same. is something that's fascinating well, that for a manager to actually have to work, you know, mm-hmm. look at the lineup like, and project, okay, here, you know, we're going to bring in the pitcher. That American League, there's, there's really not much strategy to it. I love, I love, love, love a good double switch. It's maybe my favorite <laughs> part of baseball, and I can't believe I forgot to mention it in my initial reaction to your yeah. idea. And so, yeah, anything that takes away double switches, like... Uh, well, it is a good point that that the National League style of the game does allow for us to evaluate managers a little bit easier than in the American League. Because I remember when we were writing about how Dave Martinez did in his season with the Nationals, uh, we could actually look at some of the strategy. Whereas in the American League, it's, well, it's how did he run the, the clubhouse and, and how did he deal with uh, all these 25 personalities in the locker room and, and I guess making pitching changes, but that's really not that. Like you don't have as much of an, you set the lineup and then it just goes. You don't have that much of an impact on it. But in the National League, it's easier to say, well, this guy has a, a, a baseball mind and, and can really think two steps ahead. And, and yes, I love double switches as much as anybody. Even as an American <laughs> League fan growing up, I love double switches. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I, that's why, like, I just don't watch as much American League ball because where are my double switches at? Like, <laughs> I'm not interested. Hashtag where are my double switches at? <laughs> yeah. um, all right, I think that's going to do it. You had one last note, right? Tim? Oh, yeah. If you anyone has seen any of the Firefest documentaries, which have gotten real hot in the streets, you guys should check, check it out. I watched the Netflix one. I don't have access to Hulu, uh, but I'm hoping to somehow be able to watch it. It's about this 
disastrous music festival uh, in the Bahamas. It involves ja, ja Rule. Uh, so it's, I'm telling you, it's 90 minutes of pure entertainment. Hmm. And uh, one of the concert goers was a Nats fan who was there. He's wearing a backwards Nats hat and some Nats fans commented on Twitter. It's just kind of this funny thing. You're watching singing out of nowhere. There's a Nats fan uh, in the there, Bahamas. But in Bahamas. And I would love, if you are a listener, uh, unidentified <laughs> Nats fan, Firefest goer, We'd love for you to uh, to tweet at one of us. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about your experience. Let, yeah. let's, let's get him to throw out a uh, first pitch uh, in like the middle of July. I'm telling you, if he did, like people would know who he is. Yes, let, yeah. let, let's start that campaign now. All right, that's going to do it for another Racing Presidents podcast. Uh, as always, you can tweet us at one Tim Murray, at T Shovers, at T Shovers, yeah, at Ryan. Warmly, warmly, but it is spelled not the way you yes. normally spell your last name. That is R Y A N W A R M L Y. And of course, Todd Divis not with us today, but he still is our Nats insider. Of course, his great work at Todd underscore Divis. Until next week, see you, folks. <laughs>